right. Uh, welcome to another episode of Empathic Futures Labs. There's a little voice crack there for you. Uh, this is the show about designing human-focused futures for the environments we live in. Uh, this is Christian speaking right now. Yep, and I'm Chris. All right, and today's episode is going to be something that we've maybe been bouncing around a bit, a little bit in the past, kind of avoiding, maybe because you know it's something that you, you kind of have to be experienced to get into. It's not something you get into a whole lot in school. Um, but we're going to be talking about is uh, is the idea of detail and the role that that plays now in the past and what we think it might be, what the role of the detail might be in the future and how um, I guess that will end up influencing uh, the way that we design spaces. One of the things that one of those things that I think we found to be at least a little bit contentious is the idea of a theory of details. And what that, what exactly that means? For some reason, I don't know if that's necessarily accepted in academia, and I don't know if you have any idea about why that might be. But I think it, it seems I don't know. I, my th- my thought is that there's just this kind of hoity-toityness uh, surrounding what theory is and what isn't theory. I, there, there's probably some like actual substantial reason reason to it that they make an argument for when they're pro theory or pro like this abstract theory. Uh, yeah. There's probably some actual substantial reason that I disagree with, but I'm sure there's something there that they're able to latch onto and say, yes, this is theory. No, this is not theory. I don't know. That's well, my thought. Yeah, either way, while doing a, a very minimal amount of uh, the background research for this uh, discussion, uh, I quickly came across this book that I was able to find a PDF for online, um, but the book I think, what is it called? The, the Architectural, the architectural Detail, detail yeah. by Edward Ford. Um, and the first part of the book is like an introduction, and it goes over, that's what I was able to read through uh, before this, and it goes over five different definitions of what architectural detail is. And they're not necessarily all working together, I guess you could say. They're, they're definitions that are mostly exclusive. Sometimes they have a bit of overlap, but most of the definitions are pretty much exclusive of, of one another. And we'll get into that probably pretty significantly for this. Let me think if there's anything else that I wanted to introduce. There was something, but it's slipping my mind right now, and I don't see it in the notes. The rest of my notes really tie into this discussion about uh, these five definitions pretty well. I mean, one of the things that is is kind of interesting, maybe if we kind of start with this historically, is, and this will hopefully tie into these definitions and maybe we'll lead from there. Uh, and you can interrupt me whenever you want. Okay. Was uh, if we think about basically how details have evolved and have like this ingrained intelligence within them, this inherent intelligence where, you know, you, this settlement in Kettle Hike or whatever, I think is around Jericho, maybe 8,000 years ago was the introduction of windows into a building. And, and it helps signify identity. It obviously brings light in. It allows airflow. Um, but that first introduction of like the window unit into into an individual dwelling unit, at least um, to the extent and, that we know or have record of, right? Introduction and um, and how that even as a very very significant piece of architecture has evolved 
over time um, and, and how you how you form that opening, whether it's like poster lintel or some sort of vault, like corbel arch sort of setup. So how that's formed, then eventually we put things in that window to really mediate the environment. And then uh, now we put things around the window <laughs> to stop the light from coming in sometimes. And it's kind of interesting to think about how there's all of that history built into what's something is relatively mundane and what is static and inert at the moment Okay. when it's built. And one of the things that I wanted to get into with this discussion was how you build from that history and how you take details from being static to being something that's more responsive. And so I think with this last definition that we'll get into, the very last one of the five, was listening to a podcast by Sean, Sean Lally's podcast, uh, Night White Skies, where he's talking with Future Cities Lab, and their projects really kind of take a detail, uh, the kind of this design, detail as motif, which we'll get into, they take this detail and really talk about how it can be its own autonomous thing and how it can have its own life of its own. And I thought that was uh, kind of interesting to maybe tie this all together. Hmm. And there's another article which we'll also hopefully talk about a little bit, which is this idea, which is actually an exhibit, what the AI products of tomorrow might look like. Um, and these do a really fascinating job of combining together a digital interface with a very physical manifestation of that and how you interact with that. And there's a lot of simple dials and buttons, um, which maybe sort of just give this element of physicality to it. But okay. um, I think that's pretty interesting too. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add before we jump into these definitions. No, no, let's do it. Let's get to the, get, cut to the chase here. All right, so Edward Ford, he starts off this, uh, his book, The Architectural Detail, and he, he has a quote in here uh, where he, he, his initial thoughts, his thoughts while he was teaching, I guess, is that detail is about consistency, about carrying the larger concepts of the design of a building into the smaller elements. And then he corrects himself almost immediately. And he says, you know, what was I thinking? And I, I am dead wrong in, in terms of this definition. Right. And so there's, there's a bias built into that, obviously, um, whether or not you, you may agree. Because at, to some extent, I, I, I think that having a strong connection from what you do at one scale to another is important. But... Um, he, he talks a little bit more about that in the, uh, in the definitions. And he makes a point of pointing out that like people like Peter Cook of Archigram, Zaha Deed, and Greg Lynn have all argued that detail is fetish. And I think that's one of the things that spurned this conversation for us. A little bit. It's, is seeing the degree to which some sorts of details can be fetishized. Um, and I think it's those ones that you kind of have to look at and question whether or not they're very meaningful to the experience of a space or if it's just something an architect wants to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think he brought up some quote, see if I can find it early on in the introduction. I think it's towards the end. It goes, architecture, as I have come to know it, 
is the art of building, and if it communicates any message of significance, it does through does so through construction. And that that kind of really struck me as strange, just because it's like, why why is that? If it makes if it communicates any message of significance, it does through does so through construction. I, I guess to me, it's like why. How can you go and make make that claim that the way that architecture communicates its message is through its construction? I would I would think it it communicates its message through like you know what sorts of activities and such it it facilitates and and what people can do with it and what it can be used for rather than its actual construction itself. So I, yeah, I think um, to that end it was a, a quote that really struck me as something that where it's like detail or building as a fetish yeah i think it really went well with that and i I don't think i actually read the preface i just read the whole um chapter one i guess oh okay i probably should have read the preface (laughs) yeah there's it it definitely provides some context i think i mean i can you can even derive significance people people can find significance in an image of a built work and so, I mean, that's sort of the opposite end. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a built work. People can find significance in an image of architecture, yeah. quote unquote. And so I, I mean, I do think that I, I have to disagree with that. What I'm trying to do is think of where exactly that's coming from. As he says, construction, not just in the sense of building, not just as a practical necessity, but in the way we see it the way we understand it as a manifestation of science, as an object to which we intuitively respond, as a part in a history that we know. Yeah. But what is that? None of those have anything to do with construction. Yeah, I don't I don't know. So, is it just because once it's constructed, it's built, so maybe you can trace everything back to being construction just because of the nature of it being built? I don't know. Um, okay, so what what were we... What were you... What was the, uh, <clears throat> the whole... I, now it's... Yeah, so we're leading into these five definitions, and I suppose at some point during this discussion, we should figure out where we place ourselves. And I think I have an idea for myself, but maybe you have a, have a different idea. So he starts off by saying, what is a detail? And then doesn't actually define it, instead gives five definitions for what a detail is, and then says at the end which ones he prefers. Yeah, and I would imagine the rest of the book gets into... Why it gets into each one of those, yeah. Yeah, why he um, believes that. Yeah. So the first one, uh, detail as abstraction. There are no details in modernism. And so basically, he uses, he actually uses Calatrava's um, uh, Milwaukee Art Museum as a almost poor example of, uh, of the use of this sort of idea in which the detail of what is looks like some bookcases or display cases are overdesigned to the point that they're basically a scaled down version of the building itself and don't actually don't respond to their functional needs as much as they respond to the stylistic intent of uh, of the architect. Yeah. And I to an extent I like that's a really prime example for what he's saying but i think if if you're designing in rectangles and just have like a normal looking building and normal and i don't know in what sense but just kind of something that's standard and then the rest of your details kind of look like that i don't know if i have as much problem i don't know if it would be as evident i guess 
as, as if you're using Calatrava as an example, where you have these these display cases that look almost exactly or look very similar to the building itself, and they function, I imagine, but maybe they don't function as well given the fact that they're, you know, construed with this additional layer that maybe doesn't need to be there for its ergonomic and practical function. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. Uh, but that that's the sort of notion that you take, and he gets into this door handle uh, by Gropius at the Bauhaus building uh, as well, but you take a general concept or idea for a project and then distill that down downwards. So it's like a top-down from the scale of the building down to the scale of the object and you know even into furniture, I would imagine. So that's really kind of what he was talking about that he completely rejected after teaching it to his students at the beginning that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know carrying the larger concepts of the design of a building into the smaller elements. Yeah. And he, he goes on to say like this is this is incorrect and we, we shouldn't be designing like this. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm as opposed to this idea. I don't I mean I don't know what value that would have to the individual saying, okay, I understand what you're doing here. And like, I understand you're trying to make a cohesive whole out of this thing, but it's kind of, um, maybe it's too heavy handed is sort of what becomes the problem there. I, yeah, I don't know. Next, what's the, the next? Uh... The next one is uh, detail as motif. So instead, this is sort of works in the opposite direction of, uh, of the last one. Instead of using Instead of working top down, you work bottom up, in which you have an idea for for a detail, and then you scale it up to the rest of the building. Um, and so maybe equally as arbitrary as the other one. Uh, and he talks about Faye Jones, uh, and a good example of his work would be the Thorn Crown Chapel. And so there's like this these interlocking members, or at least they they're visually interlocking. And then that scales up to the rest of the building. And I have a number of categories that I would put these things in. The first two I'd put in is design fetish. <laughs> what put what things in these definitions? Yeah, these Why don't, first two let's definitions. let's get through all the definitions real quick and just have, okay. and just do that, and then we can start to discuss them as a whole. Okay. Uh, and then the next one is detail as an order. Details are the articulation of structure. Um, and so basically you're expressing the structure and the built, expressing the structure of a building, uh, you know, showing it by showing it as like a piece of detail. An example that he used, uh, significantly was the way that Mies often faked this in a number of different ways. Probably one of the most obvious ones is the, uh, the Lakeshore Drive, uh, towers, which I think just have steel structure just kind of strapped to the side of it um for visual for for it to read as like visual function but it 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 really it really doesn't uh and then another one is like neil denari uh the highline tower next to new york city where the structure would be obscured by the um by by the window treatment and so he they basically just painted it onto the glass so that you could know that it's there Great. <laughs> um, and the next one is uh, detail is joint. 
articulation of construction. Um, and this is the one that I might have the most problem with because it's just the most obnoxious. Um, but he talks about Zumthor significantly here and also brings up Cool House as a counterpoint to this. And so obviously with Zumthor, uh, he, he makes this quote here, buildings are artificial constructions. They consist of single parts which must be joined together. To a large degree, the quality of the finished object is determined by the quality of the joints. And it goes on to continue. The direct, seemingly self-evident way in which these objects are put together is interesting. And I would question to who. Uh, there is no interruption of the overall impression by small parts, which have nothing to do with the object's statement. Our perception of the whole is not distracted by inessential details. Every touch, every joint, every joint is there in order to reinforce the idea of the quiet presence of the work. Okay. <laughs> And then the last one is detail as a subversive activity. Um, and he says this is the detail as autonomous design. Um, and this is the one that I think is actually interesting. Uh, Certainly different. So it's one I didn't really understand what he was getting at just based on the definition. Yeah, well, detail as autonomous design makes sense to me. It's, it's something that exists on its own, and it's not necessarily tied to the building design, but rather responds to other factors that are more significant at the scale of that detail as opposed to the scale of the overall building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. So I kind of want, I, 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 what I went through after reading this was, I kind of went through and put these into categories. And so the details abstraction, which is like the Calatrava one where you're just, there is no, I, there is no detail. Instead, the detail is the, dis, the design concept. Uh, I, I, I put that under design fetish. Detail is motif, which was like scaling up from the scale of the detail. I put that as design fetish. Um, and then the next two, which is about structural expression and then the jointing, I considered those to both be uh, within this realm of detail fetish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last one, I guess you could also consider to be detail fetish, but it's it's much different from this idea that where you're very interested in the, the construction of a building because it's a building and you're constructing it which is like the detail is joint and which is Zimthor apparently espouses. Uh -huh. uh, but to say that it's its own thing and deserves its own attention in terms of design, I think is, is kind of interesting. And that I think is actually the most operative, if that's the right word, definition here moving forward. I kind of wanted to pit these two against each other, detail is joint and detail is autonomous design, because I think the other three are kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that the, the first three are completely unnecessary or terribly problematic in, in their own, in, them, in and of themselves. I think there's certainly some, some usefulness to being able to represent or at least fit the detail into the larger portion of, larger part of the overall, right? So like if your building is uh, looking, has one sort of style to it, having your details have that similar style. I don't think that's necessarily problematic. Same with maybe maybe starting detail as a motif. Uh, I don't know that that struck me as something similar to like fractals, where you're kind of yeah. building in building in shape and shape and shape and, and you see it. Um, and and I think to the same extent that there's actually 
uh, some beauty in that. If you, they talked about Gothic cathedrals, I believe in this one, mm-hmm. um, and, and and those are really beautiful, right? Or some of like the 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 Muslim the the mosques, and how and now you have those sort of stylistic elements growing from each other. I think there's a, there's a certain amount of beauty, especially in fractaling, just kind of this mathematical beauty to it. So I think once again, I think just in and of itself, not particularly not particularly poor. I, I, I guess I tend to agree with you in terms of if you're whole building your whole building out of that or that's really like your own your basis of design it becomes maybe an issue. Um, but I think just the the idea of using them sometimes I don't think is necessarily problematic. Well I don't yeah, and I think that's there's sort of a thin line there between what is you're taking you're taking a small scale idea and scaling it up to the rest of the building versus allowing those things to breathe on their own mm-hmm. and I think especially in the case of uh, the more Islamic architecture I think that's definitely the case I don't think that those necessarily run the show as much and I think that it's very I think the intent's pretty clear. And that there's still like an overall reading to the thing outside of right and it's still there's so. still a larger space that you're constructing a larger yeah. experience to it that you're constructing uh but yeah the fact that you're using them is not an issue i i i don't i guess it, it just don't overdo it i think it really yeah. is it anyway uh continue with your what did you want you wanted to pit together yeah so i wanted to pit the two against each other that so the detail is joint and the detail is autonomous design so the one detail is autonomous design it's almost disconnected from the rest of the architecture whereas the detail is joint it's so ingrained into the construction and technical aspects of putting a building together i mean it's just it's an expression of tectonic right Mm -hmm. and almost almost to the point that you're doing it so that people know that you're building something. And it's, I find that kind of obnoxious. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and I think uh, I make, I say here, like, I think uh, here is where I would argue is where we find like the real fetishment of detail and architecture that, um, it seems like a lot, a lot of people actually are annoyed with. Um, which I was a little surprised to see all these names of people that have said said that detail is fetish. And, you know, to say that a detail exists because of its own craft, I think it's kind of a conceit. Why Why do you say that? Well, it's, it's this notion that you're detailing something, and let me find... There's a good example that he uses in the book. So he has the Alumni Memorial Hall at IIT, and... The corner, so there's two corner conditions here. One at the Alumni Memorial Hall at IIT and one at the Tribune Center, uh, Student Center at IIT by Rem Coolhouse. So the one's by Vanderell and the one's by Coolhouse. Okay. Um, both in the same location, separated by about 50 years or a little bit more, maybe 60 years. Uh, so the Alumni Memorial Hall at IIT by Mies it's got like this over-the-top corner condition that expresses maybe the the joinery of of the structure of the building and then the cool house one at uh, the student center 
um, you see this these two window walls coming together basically uh, at a corner and then it's got an oversized aluminum cover that's probably that's going around some sort of structure uh-huh and it's just sort of covering that because it's cheap okay or whatever so my issue is with like what is the significant like do people in terms of experience of a building is there any difference on the one than the other like does like if I'm walking around campus does it matter to me or anyone on any given day whether or not Mies has gone out of his way to do like this three corner uh, like subdivided piece versus cool house has just kind of done an aluminum cap on right. it and you know that that idea and thought kind of spurned this idea that I wanted to do this survey of what people actually think about the physical environment they're in and what 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 they actually notice yeah and I need to maybe maybe next week I'll actually get into uh, writing that all out and formalizing it a bit but I think to say that I'm gonna do this and express the the structure because that's what's artistic about building design I think that's kind of a conceit that the only way in which we can have an artistic impact I guess is is through like showing how materials come together sort of how we kicked off this discussion I guess yeah well okay so you want to you went after this this Zumthor quote this buildings are artificial constructions that consist of single parts which must be joined together uh, to a large degree, the quality of the finished object is determined by the quality of the joints. And I also singled that quote out. I think I thought it was a really a really nice quote because and and I actually I it's something that I think I want to hold on to a little bit, just because I I don't have as much of an issue with this detail as the joint uh, definition of it, of what a detail is or or a way of thinking about what a detail is, because and I think this this Zumthor quote really really to me made a lot of sense because we are when we're setting a building or a product or or whatever even a digital thing there will always be these interactions between materials between functions between people right it's always there's always going to be that intersection that interface between these things and i think the craftsmanship between how they come together does become very important just because I think if it comes together cheaply, it comes together in a not so thought out well, not so thought out way. Maybe people don't notice it, but subconsciously, maybe it feels a little bit cheap or feels like it's falling apart. And that's kind of, if it's kind of like this janky, janky interface or intersection, then that becomes problematic. To to a certain extent, I, I definitely agree with you that do we need to spend a whole lot of whole lot of time on these details? Do we need to spend, or maybe not a whole lot of time, but do we need to spend an undue amount of thought on this because, and fetishize it? No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I think you're completely right that like, to a certain extent, no one walking by is really going to notice. Um, but I, I think to do it well is, is still important just to the extent that otherwise you don't want a product or a building or, you know, some sort of digital thing or whatever it is you're working on to feel like it's kind of janked together or kind of cheaply thrown together with without the craftsmanship there. Uh, just just for the, the amount of, like, the extent that you don't want something to feel cheap and, and not working well. Well, I guess I guess my, my problem is, and specifically in this example that he points out, because it's, it's a corner detail that in most cases you're probably at least, like, 10, 15 feet away from. 
Right. Um, and my problem is that it seems like so much of this discussion, and I've gone through this in practice, where we're detailing things that I can't actually... I, I personally don't understand the significance to one's experience of a space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's sort of my problem with this Zumthor quote, is that it doesn't make any distinction between what people are experiencing and what the architect wants to design in terms of a joint. Because we have products that, that can just do joints well, and they function. Right. And they're not necessarily, quote-unquote, aesthetic. Right. Um, but I think where it actually starts to matter is, is when people are interacting with these things. And so that's why I kind of wanted to pit this one, which I find detail is joint. Like, that doesn't tell me that people are interacting with it. Detail is autonomous design. The examples that he used for this are ones are objects that people interact with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I kind of wanted to, to pit these two against each other because just primarily because of the examples that he used. So like the details as, as autonomous design, it's mostly like things that people interact with with their hands, whether it's like a door handle, a stair railing, and that's like that's the only examples that he shows. And he, he spends almost no time uh, talking about this one, actually. It's like a page in total of, of, uh, of writing. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of want to get into actually reading this whole thing. But that's further on down the road. Yeah. Well, my intuition is that he spends so little time on it because he sees it precisely. And I could be wrong. Uh, but the way I read this chapter was a little different from you in that he, in that how I read it was that he was talking about precisely just these little things like door handles or uh, handrails or, um, I don't know, just, yeah, the little things that you interact with and touch and not the majority of the details throughout the building. Um, well, that's why that's why my problem with this. I think I agree with you, and for most of these, but when he talks about this detail is joint, and talking about whether or not you how important a corner of a, how you design the joining of materials coming together at a corner of a building is really significant or not. Like, and then I mean, you can even talk about Mies with the way that he's hiding the. Um, uh, the bolts, I guess, on the uh, the Farnsworth house and how it's recessed and then it's covered over with like a cap and everything. And like, does that matter or not? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you that a lot of things like that, it's just like, why are we spending the time to detail some of that stuff? Because like probably doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, maybe, but maybe I just didn't get that as part of my education. I don't know. No, I, I think I should care about that. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I. I I remember getting that a lot. I feel like in terms of how do you wanna how do you wanna display these things in terms of detail, and I, I definitely remember being much more interested in that before than I am now. Um, to the extent that I was I was actually before much very, quite interested in, in how detailing came together, how building came together. Now I'm just like you know what uh, they have products for this. Let's just use the product. I, I don't disagree with you on that, um, but at the same time. I guess detail as joint, I think, the detail as the articulation of construction, I think, is important. I think, of course, remembering who you're serving, what kind of experience you're putting together comes forefront, and if you're not going to see it, just make it functional, it doesn't matter. But I, I think it is important to the extent that it does 
it's like the backdrop to whatever you're doing in this space, right? And if if you do it well, especially in the areas that that you're that you can see and that people uh, regularly interact with, whether that's purely visually or um, also touching it or smelling it or or hearing, you know, is is the building put together well to keep sound out, right? I think I think that is important, and I, I don't want to well, say that. Yeah. yeah, I guess I don't want to react against that too much just because I think it is important and I think it has a huge bearing on how you experience the space. I think it's just it's just a matter of framing your mind around, I don't need to detail all of this, right? Because part of this isn't going to be seen. It's not going to be interacted with. It just needs to be functional. Um, but then there are other elements that I think, you know, it actually is important how the materials come together because it has a visual bearing on the space. Right. And... I think I think Cool House is IIT center, and I haven't been to any other Cool House buildings. I don't, I don't think. I think that's probably a really good example. Uh, pitting Mies versus Cool House here, I think is probably a really good example of this. And the reason the reason I say this is because like if you've been in that building, pretty much nothing's detailed. I mean, there's some cool materials, you know it. It's it's pretty bare bones in, in terms of like its architectural detail, quote unquote. Yeah. But I think that there's there's obviously a give and take there. And so there are some firms that detail everything and just sort of go nuts with it and then spend a lot of money doing that. Yeah. And then there's other firms that do crazy form and crap and spend a lot of money doing that. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a whole lot of in between. I don't know if I've seen a lot of in between because I feel like when I've seen buildings that have like extravagant form, I feel like they haven't been detailed very well. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much as a standard. Um, and I, I think both can be really interesting. He talks about um, the de- in the detail as articulation of construction. They, they talk about the Pompidou Center briefly, mm-hmm. which. I feel like the Papadou Center is so much less about its detail of construction than it is everything else. I think I feel like that's actually really not that obvious as much as like the the notion of just transporting the structure outwards is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel I mean that's obviously like the biggest reading from the building. Right. Um, and it's it's not like formally crazy, but I, I mean that's my favorite building. But I, it's neither here nor there. I guess like you just. I don't know if you can do both really well, at least in today's market. I think it's really tough to do that. For more detail, yeah. Well, you have to pick and choose where you spend your money, unfortunately. Um, you can't just do it all. Maybe, I, maybe Saarinen got away with it at the TWA terminal. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't I've never like been there. I don't, yeah, I don't feel like it's something that you, you see all that much. Because I'm sure, like, given money, Cool House would... You know, do a lot better job, quote unquote, detailing right. the the McCormick Student Center. Right. Either way, uh, the idea the idea of the details of autonomous design was something I wanted to get into and tie that to this uh, IDO uh, products of tomorrow thing, um, in which and and this uh, this future cities lab and we'll include the links to these things, of course, as always in the. Uh, in the show notes, but the Future Cities Lab um, uh, will include this link to Data Grove, 
which is a project that they have. And what it is is this armature that supports these media pods, which uh, accumulate tweets from a one kilometer radius and then play those tweets back at this at this wall. Uh-huh. And I think that's just like the coolest thing. This is a really cool, interesting project, and it's all about these media pods, which is a relatively small scale thing. You could say it's the detail of the design, and that really becomes the uh, what it's all about. And the the rest of the design responds to that. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, ideas uh, what the AI products of tomorrow might look like. Um, let's look at one here. What was this one? The empathy writer. What if you could find the exact right words to express your feelings and nothing gets lost in translation? Um, and here the description. Our globally connected lives mean we're frequently brought into contact with people from different cultures and backgrounds. Despite the opportunities networks present, we often struggle to communicate as we are not equally fluent in others' languages and don't share the same cultural mores. What if you could find just the right words to express your feelings and nothing got lost in translation? The Empathy Writer helps you convey what you mean in a way that will be easily understood. Using the character trait tiles, I describe myself and you. Then the machine helps me compose a message in a way that reflects who you are. So I think this one, I think both of these are really interesting. Yeah. But when we're talking about autonomous design, that's that's sort of one thing. But I guess my question is, can you take that a step further? Can you talk about detail as autonomy? Yeah. As its own living thing, as opposed to the, so like, you can talk about a window or the idea of a window as this constantly evolving thing, right? Yeah. It's yeah. evolved over what eight thousand years or whatever, um, at, at, that we know of, right? Yep. Um, and so it has that ingrained knowledge within it, but it's static, versus this idea moving forward would be as we see in these two projects that I just talked about was. Is it possible for the detail to obviously have this ingrained sort of evolution in it, but also to be evolving and kind of cybernetic, I guess, in its own right as it's built, uh-huh. uh, like these media pods are, and like the uh, this um, uh, the empathy writer might be. Yeah. Is it is it possible for those things to actually start responding in? In real time to the information around them, and also like the history that they that they have of themselves. Uh huh. Uh huh. Was sort of the idea there. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I like that idea. I, not against that at all. And so that was I kind of wanted to, because right now we kind of work with details on a product level, and to say that details have their own autonomy, I don't think that they would necessarily be able to be composed. I think. Yeah. Right. As uh, together, I guess, as as products. I yeah. Guess, as well, I think that's like the joining of architecture currently happens. Yeah. Well, I think that's certainly true because I was thinking as read while I was reading this, I was thinking about it, and I haven't had the opportunity to detail too many buildings during my professional time. I've done a lot of more concept work and and whatnot. I suppose I'll have some time to do that now on the project I'm working on. But I I'm just kind of thinking about like how much talk there is about oh do you have a product for that oh do you have a product for that right oh let's spec this let's spec that and i'm thinking like when would i ever have the opportunity to detail 
a handrail that's a handrail the same way as they were talking about in that Kimball Art Museum, where like they are actually objectively really nice handrails. Or Tom Main's entry uh, door, door handles, door. yeah, at yeah. entry and exit. Like, when would I ever have the opportunity to spend money to do that? And I don't, I don't really know if that'll ever happen. So I think you're right. It's at a product level of design, and I don't necessarily think that's a problem per se. Uh, right, but I mean, in a lot of the cases, you don't know why those products are the way they are. I, yeah. mean, I have no idea why drywall is five eighths of an inch. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good <laughs> I question. I couldn't tell you that. I don't think. I feel like that's something I should probably know. Yeah. I I don't know if it matters. I don't know if it matters to anyone. No, I mean that's one of those things where I think you know as where I was arguing about whether it's important or not, where buildings or joinery is important or not. I think whether drywall is five of eighths of an inch or half an inch makes absolutely zero difference to anyone besides the building code inspector inspector who talks about fireproofing or whatever. And that's, I guess that's sort of my question because there, there is an autonomy, I guess you could say. And in the, in the way that five eighths of an inch drywall came about, like there's an inherent intelligence to that. Yeah. We don't know what it is. Maybe but... it has something to do with fireproofing. Right, and that's in terms of its design. But if we're talking about these products that have their own intelligence and are something that you interact with that is actually an actor and is not just an object that you look at and experience, mm-hmm. I, I guess they, they can start telling you a, about those things that they came about. And then, then this notion that more abstractly that Zimthor is getting at, I think, starts making more sense to me. Well, I, guess. I don't think you can just have the the fifth one. This uh, detail is autonomous design. I don't think you even no, if no, you push it further, right? You have there have to be areas where it's more about the the materials coming together and whatnot. You, there there just have to be because if everything's autonomous, nothing's autonomous, nothing's special. There's no hierarchy, right? So yeah. I, no, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that, and we still have to join buildings together well. But I feel like we've gotten to a point in architecture that generally you can buy a product that joins buildings together yeah. pretty well. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I have no issue with, for the most part, using a product to build a building, um, and then maybe there are a few special places here or there, uh, whether they're autonomous or they, they fit within the, fit within the, uh, the concept of the building right you could have I, I don't mind Mises corner details I, I don't I think I don't I don't dislike them I, I just don't know how ne- necessary they are yeah I mean I, I think mean, if that's like the one of the few places where you go and spend your money doing the details and you decided that that was really important to you fine and then you use a product everywhere else you know at every other issue and, and don't spend the money there or the time there I think that's not not an issue right what is it how much does it matter if it's important to you or if it's important to someone else I don't know. I think the way the way I'm thinking about it is like, do you when you're building the building? I mean, so I recently wrote this thing about architecture in service of the experience rather than service in service of the actual physical product of the building. Um, and I right. think, do you? But I I guess one thing that I didn't do in that article, which maybe I wish I did, was. I didn't. I don't want to belittle the construction of the building or the building as an object. I think that's important. I think it's just figuring out what is the most important thing, which is the experience. And it's like, well, is it? yeah. And and if you go through and and just go through the building and figure out what 
just decide to you what you think the most important parts of the experience will be to people, maybe you have a list of like five to 10 things that you want to spend the money on. And maybe one of those things happens to be the corner condition of that building for some reason, or maybe, maybe four of those five things are actually really important. And then one of them is just your own personal pet project. And you want that detail to be really nice. I don't, I don't have an issue with that. I think it's just framing the perspective in terms of like what's actually important and then going and designing those things and then just being functional about the rest of them and make sure it's put together well enough that you know it it supports all your code requirements and supports your uh energy requirements as actually a sustainable building and 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 yada yada Um, well i don't i don't think that we necessarily at least in my experience aren't doing that i think like that's definitely kind of what we're doing right but i also i have very i have a brief stint in industrial design meaning i took a studio in grad school in industrial design yeah brief stint. Um, and that that honestly did drastically change my perspective about architecture and everything i was being taught and everything i was experiencing in practice in terms of how you actually talk about the way someone experiences space or object or right. physical environment, I guess. Okay. Uh, and that, I just, I think what you do, I think what you're saying is what we kind of do. I just don't think we talk about it correctly. Yeah, that might be true. It might just be the dialogue. I, I think the words we use are not the best because they're so building product focused. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of taking the right perspective about things, then you'll come to maybe slightly different conclusions. Like if I had a quarter for every time that we I had talked about like reveal or just something dumb that doesn't really matter, yeah. I don't think at yeah. least, you know, I'd probably be a millionaire or something. Like, yeah. Well, it's not, it's these things that like that, that drive me nuts. Yeah. Like, what do we do? We'll throw a reveal there. Like for what? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I, like the point of the reveal and to like join two materials together, like, yes, I think it's important. I don't think you want two materials slamming into each other, but like, right to the point, to the degree at which people get super excited about it. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Or it's like, why don't we just do it? Great. Throw a reveal there. The materials will come together nicely. Move on. Let's not get super excited about it. Um, yeah. I had a coworker once mention how exciting or how how we have this overhang of a building coming out and he's like oh and we could do this really cool flashing detail here all right (laughs) i don't know how to react to that like it's a really cool flashing detail great what differentiates that from a flashing detail that's just regular and works like does anyone really care that it's a cool flashing detail probably not yeah no I, i i agree i think the reason i was so interested in this zumthor quote is not because i'm super excited about details and honestly, I'd kind of prefer if someone else made all those decisions because I really just don't care all that much. But I, I like this idea, the end, the quality of the finished object is determined by the quality of the joints. And to me, it's not so much about fetishizing the details and really getting super excited about the details. It's really more to me about the quality of the finished object being crafted to the extent that it works well and doesn't, doesn't look like it's falling apart. And I right. think if you accomplish that, it's fine. You could you could rephrase this. The quality of the finished object is determined by its execution. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. And um, that might the, the quote that drove me absolutely off the wall here was the second part of that. The direct, seemingly self-evident way in which these objects are put together is interesting. 
Yeah. No, I, I didn't even read that part of it. Yeah. Well, I think things like that, or like Louis Kwan, Louis Kahn asking like, "What does this material want to be?" I think that's where you get you kind of go a little too far into the details, where it's like the material is the material; it doesn't want to be anything. It just kind of is something. Unless uh, it's, unless it actually is autonomous, then it may have its own. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> well. Yeah. But it's like at that point, it's like that's i think where you're pushing too far towards building or object or uh i don't know product oriented language instead of the human oriented language of like what do people want to see here not what does this material want to be i mean maybe maybe that's what the question is asking but it's definitely it feels like it's from the wrong perspective right right well we we'll probably wrap this thing up yeah uh, i think i think we're good to go i guess takeaway is i think it's really interesting idea when start thinking about how the details of a project can be more interactive yeah no i think that's be be an active participant uh, in interacting with people directly rather than something that is sort of just inert and sort of evolved over time but whether when you take that evolution and give it some some active intelligence i think Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting yeah Certainly. All right. And I always had a kind of love-hate relationship. With them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for now. Do we have a topic for next week? Did you want to do transportation? It seemed like that was pretty. No, I think we we can we'll save that for some time. I don't okay. know. We'll think about it. All, All right. right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to check out the website and newsletter, which is available on the website. Yep. And those will, links will be in the show notes. Uh, we got some cool content on there, written stuff. Chris has a new article uh, that he just finished. So, yeah. Right. And give us a rating or like or whatever you do on iTunes. Yep. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. We'll be back in your ears in a week. Yep. Here's the show notes.